0: I'm Hillary. I'm Emily.
1: And we're the, the sirens. sirens.
0: Today we're going to talk about um, the movie My Man Godfrey, which is a 1936 um, screwball comedy um, that was directed by Gregory LaCava. It was actually based on a short novel called um, 1101 Park Avenue. Um, it stars William Powell and Carol Lombard. Um We're going to talk a little bit about um, one of those actors a little bit later and somebody else. Um, But the story is, um, the basic premise of this movie is that during the Great Depression, a guy named Godfrey Park, who's played by William Powell, um, is living um, with some other men down um, at the city dump in New York City. Uh, One night, a a spoiled socialite named um, Cornelia Bullock um, offers him five dollars to um serve as her forgotten man for a like socialite scavenger hunt um he's annoyed by this um advances uh on her and accidentally causes her to fall into a pile of ashes um she leaves in a fury but um her younger sister um is delighted by um by this um, and Godfrey is eventually taken by Irene's kind but scatterbrained um, personality and agrees to go um, to the um, scavenger hunt as, as, uh, as Irene's forgotten man. Um, hilarity ensues and eventually at the end of, not eventually, but at the end of the um, scavenger hunt evening, Irene offers Godfrey a job as the family's butler. Um, (laughs) and then hilarity ensues. Um, So the film was actually remade in 1957 with June Allison and David Niven in the starring roles, Um, and in 1999, the original version, um, this version with William Powell and Carol Lombard uh, was deemed culturally significant by the United States Library of Congress and selected for preservation in the National Film Registry. It's supposed to be
1: considered one of the best film comedies yeah of all time like it's on all the lists
0: yeah well it's definitely like like emblematic of screwball comedies but yes did you find any trivia about the movie
1: yes well we talked a little bit about William Powell's bio in the past and you might remember that he was actually married to Carol oh, Lombard yeah. and at the time this movie was made they had been divorced for a couple years oh yeah but he advocated for her in the role of Irene. As soon as he read it, he said, it has to be Irene. And it says that the romance between Godfrey and Irene was very similar to their romance. So,
0: which and I, I don't know what that says I'm about say. <laughs> What does that say about that?
1: <laughs> uh, Carol Lombard apparently would ad-lib lines and had like a potty mouth (laughs) so they had to (laughs) keep reshooting scenes because she would curse so much in the middle of the dialogue which i think is hilarious and it doesn't really seem in keeping with her character in this movie but would have been fun to watch uh so you mentioned that this was based on a novel and the character of irene is actually supposed to be in her late teen years in the novel but Carol Lombard was in her late twenties when she played the role, and I was like, "Thank God," because that would have been really creepy if like this older butler comes in and there's like a seventeen-year-old girl who's in love with him. Yeah, I don't oh, know. God. I don't know about that. So the Bullock Mansion that uh, was the setting for the story is actually a real place that is like right around that museum 5th avenue area uh, so, so we could can, go visit it you could go walk by it's 1101 park avenue which is the title <laughs> of the book um so this is the only movie that ever got oscar nominations for writing directing and all four acting awards without being nominated for best picture and it was also the only movie <laughs> oh God, that says so much about this movie i know <laughs> It was also the only movie to ever get those six nominations without winning any of the categories until American Hustle, oh. which just came out like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I actually, if you think about it, comedies don't win Best Picture very often. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really harder to do comedy well in a way that is recognizable to critics. Yeah, like the only ones you ever see, kind of up in that. Oh, this is so great! Is like, you know, Woody
0: Allen or
1: yeah. Didn't life is beautiful win best picture? That Italian movie about yeah. the Holocaust. So like that that comedy
0: about the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, the
1: comedy about the Holocaust.
0: <laughs> about <laughs> but Aquarius. I mean,
1: it checks that Holocaust box
0: right. of. Right. Now we're gonna win best picture. Right. Right. It has sort of, even though it's supposed to be funny, it was. Was, There's was a certain element of seriousness. Yeah, too. yeah. So. <laughs> also, so, right, so I guess that trend goes all the way
1: back into, we can say that you acted really well, but this movie is a comedy, so it is not worthy of right. our time. It's not going to win. win. Um, do you
0: want to talk a little bit about Carol Lombard? Sure. Um, she was born Jane Alice Peters um into a wealthy family family in fort wayne indiana um in october of 1908 um she eventually became um particularly known for her energetic offbeat roles like um her character in my man godfrey um and in the late 1930s she was the highest paid star in hollywood um But as a child, she moved with her mother from Indiana to Los Angeles, um, where her mother raised her as a single mother. Um, When she was 12, she was recruited by um, film director Alan Dwan um, and made her screen debut in a movie called A Perfect Crime. Um, She signed her first contract a couple of years later uh, with the Fox Film Corporation, um, but didn't... um, get very many parts, um, and then Fox dropped her altogether after a car accident, left um, a scar on her face. I don't know where the scar is on her face. <laughs> She's still pretty... That's awful. Pretty gorgeous. Um, and then in 1930, she um, appeared in the film The Arizona Kid, um, which um, was successful enough that Paramount Paramount um, signed her to a contract. Um... Paramount started um, casting her in leading lady, like as the leading lady in like dramas, which she did not do well in at all. Um, um, when she married William Powell, like we said in nineteen thirty-one, um, she um, gained a little bit of fame for that. But they were only married for a couple of years, um, and then in nineteen thirty-four, she um, starred in Howard Hawks' screwball comedy, Twentieth Century. Which have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. We should watch it. <laughs> um, and that was how she found her, her niche in Super Bowl comedies. Um she actually was she was so you mentioned that um that they were all nominated for Best Actor for Acting Awards, um, for My Man Godfrey. So um uh so that was in nineteen thirty six. Um she married um Clark Gable soon after that and they sort of like they were treated by the public as this, like, celebrity power couple. Um, Carol Lombard, even though she was so successful, she wanted to um, win an Oscar. Um, and so she tried acting in more serious roles, um, which was uh, she wasn't very good at, and, like, nobody wanted to see her in those roles. Um, so in 1941, she was in – she played um, – Sure, she was in um, Alfred Hitchcock's um, comedy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, and then also um, To Be or Not to Be, which turned out to be her last um, film role. Um, After the U.S. entered World War II at the end of 1941, um, she went back to her home state of Indiana for a war bond rally with her mother and with um, a press agent. Um, they raised over $2 million um, in defense bonds in just um, just one single evening. Um, oh, $2 million in 1941 actually is $34 million to um, wow. <laughs> today's money, apparently. Um, so she did that in one night. Um, and so at the end of the night, they were going to return to Los Angeles by train, um, but... Um, uh, she had had a fight with Clark Gable right before they left. And she, um, she, her personality was very impatient. She wanted like, she, she wasn't good at waiting. (laughs) So she really wanted to get home. Um, and so she wanted to fly instead of take the train home. Um, and her mother and this press agent were, like, both of them were afraid of flying and they didn't really want to fly back. Um, but she ended up, um, using her star power to, um, kick three airmen off the plane, and they got their seats instead, and, um, um, so, so in the early morning hours of January 16th, 1942, um, um, they, they got on this plane, um, to return to California, they were refueled in Las Vegas, took off, and 13 minutes later, um, crashed into a cliff, um, killing all 22 people aboard. Um, and Carol Lombard was 33 years old.
1: <laughs> that's awful. Yeah, that's
0: terrible.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting that we're talking about that outcome for her because, you know, we already talked about William Powell's background in a previous podcast, but it has been coming up again because he's in this, he's the star of this movie. And we mentioned that he was engaged to Jean Harlow, who also right. died tragically young, but from illness. Um, but when I was looking into that, they had a lot of information about her funeral, Jean Harlow's funeral, which was like a media circus. And yeah. there were tons of people there. All the um, Hollywood reporters were all over it. And they said that the whole lawn was covered in flowers, like you couldn't even see the ground because so many people showed up to it. And Carol Lombard was there with Clark Gable, and she was quoted as saying to him, don't let them ever do this to me if I die young. Uh, and and then, then, and like And then just a few years later. yeah. Um, yeah. Which, I, I mean, I guess they probably didn't have a big media circus yeah. <laughs> funeral with that. So, but yes, my, my friend was talking to me about William Powell, as one does in their leisure time, <laughs> and she was saying
0: how... 80 years after he died.
1: <laughs> he was so in mourning after Jean Harlow died that he had this elaborate crypt made for her out of oh my God. pure marble. It was $25,000 of marble, and he was the last one to see her before they closed the casket, and he placed a handwritten note and, like, a single gardenia in her hand and just sobbed, both like, in the, it it was very dramatic. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's interesting with both, of you know, Carol Lombard and um, William Powell in this movie because, you yeah, know, they both obviously experienced some bad things, and they literally... <laughs> Wackadoo in this comedy is <laughs> <And it's> just <laughs> too <really all> <laughs> oh my God. Uh well I'll just talk briefly about Alice Brady who played mm-hmm. Angelica.
0: Come the on there, eh? right?
1: Yes. She was born in New York in 1892. So we're getting back there. <laughs> but um <laughs> her <laughs> previous century. Her father was a famed Broadway producer, William Brady, and New York when she was coming up, was kind of the center of the film industry. So she was discovered by movie producers there at 22. And she was in the movie As Ye So, at 20, you know, at that age, in 1914. Her early films were all silent movies, but she was one of the few actors who was able to transition successfully to talkies. And she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in My Man Godfrey in 1936, and then also the following year, 1937, for In Old Chicago. And her final film was in 1939, Young Mr. Lincoln, and then she died young, also, of cancer. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God.
0: So, yes. <laughs> All the depressive, like, backstory of this
1: ridiculous movie. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: let's get into it. So, this is a movie you've seen before. Mm -hmm. I seen it it a long time ago, like, probably ten years ago, and I haven't seen it since. So, yeah, we talked a little bit before we started recording about how um, the plot is a little bit, um, and, like, the movie is a little bit confusing, right? That it's, like...
1: Yeah, I still have questions in <laughs> the end about exactly what transpired. And basically, I mostly have questions about Godfrey's background.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seems to me that his he's a character who was raised rich and then, you know, in a very exclusive New England family and then lost a bunch of money, I guess, in a... Um, in something, I I assume that he lost money and then, um, like, sort of chose to move to the city dump and made friends with all these people who were like similarly like him, where they like used to have money and then didn't. Well, that's something I was confused about
1: because there was also an allusion to him having been hurt in love in the past. Yes, yeah, and so I didn't no. know if. He was in the dump because he lost money, or if he was in the dump because he was disillusioned and just kind of left that life behind. I was very unclear about whether
0: or not he still had access to money. Yeah, because I mean, it's like seems unlikely that he could then because he ends up saving the bullock fortune by like playing the stock market, so it seems actually unlikely that he would be in the dump because of like bad choices.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so maybe, maybe he did, like... I mean, yeah, they kept alluding to this, like, vague um, lost love.
1: Which I wondered if that meant that someone had just broken his heart, or maybe he had gotten married and there was a divorce, or something like that. What? I don't know. I really wanted to know more about that. <laughs> <laughs> what is this backstory, Jeffrey? Um, I mean, my... Mine- Main question throughout the movie was, why is Godfrey being a butler? <laughs> and why does he like Carol Lombard?
0: Because right, <laughs> you also can't tell through rest of the movie that he does actually like Carol Lombard's character. Yeah.
1: He doesn't seem to care for her in any specific way. And she's super annoying and ridiculous. I mean, she's hilarious, but she's not someone you would in real life want to spend time with. Yeah. She told him that. So, Uh, yeah, I was not clear about that. And then just the fact that she says, oh, I'll give you a job as a butler, like, it almost seemed like a social experiment to me
0: on his side. Like, he was
1: going to see if he could do the work.
0: Yeah. Well, and he was like, well, you know, I'm just living in a dump, so I might as well, like, see what that's like. Yeah. See what it's like to be on the other side. But he was very dedicated to it. Which is, yeah. My question is, how did he learn how to be a butler? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he had butlers and he observed their behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Very empathetic. (laughs) Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, but I I mean, we'll talk about it in the social justice segment, but I felt like if if the idea between him doing it was, I want to try what it's like really working, and, you know, I have new perspectives on class then being a butler is not really the direction you go with that.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you
1: really want to try... Not that there's anything in here, like wrong with being a butler, but it's if you really want to try being, like, a working man, you would probably do something like, oh, I'm in a factory or something. You know, something yeah. that's, like... Like, actually... Physical among, work. Right.
0: And among working
1: people. Yes, and among working people. Because he basically was just surrounded
0: by rich people. Yeah. Again, um... Well, and he seemed surprised that he would then encounter a rich person <laughs> who would know who he was, which maybe like proves that it was just a whim of his that he hadn't thought it through. But.
1: Now, additional questions: <laughs> When he's at the dump and the sisters come down to find a forgotten man, uh, the sister is kind of a jerk to him. Yeah, and. He, he gets really mad and pushes her into the ash heap.
0: All well and good.
1: But Irene was there for the same reason. Well, I guess. To find a forgotten man.
0: And why doesn't he?
1: Why, is it, why does he like her?
0: Because she's not sna- snooty, I guess.
1: But there's no scenario where you can go down to the dump and say, I have a rich person scavenger hunt, and I think this is a feasible thing to do. That's right. There's no
0: way to do it that's not
1: <laughs> Yeah. So I just don't understand why he was then like, yes, I will come with you to the scavenger hunt, and then, yes, I'll be your butler. Like, I would have been like, I no. have nothing to do
0: with this family. <laughs> People are crazy. Um, I, don't <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. It doesn't seem to have any logic to it.
1: Yeah, so I I was confused about that the whole time. Can we talk about the gender dynamics in this movie? Because (laughs) this seemed to fall into that sort of classic 1930s. We'll get into it with the Philadelphia story when we eventually (laughs) get there, but it was very much like the way you resolve romantic and or family conflict is that the man, the man gets aggressive and puts the woman in her place, yeah. and then that's how you restore harmony.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was in this movie with Godfrey doing that to Irene, and it was in with the father
0: also. Yeah. Who finally like puts his foot down, and he's like, these women are hysterical, and he's like, no, 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 no. And yeah. So, how did you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, there's also the, the additional element of like Irene is crazy and like goes herself goes and gets herself engaged with every man. Like she's been engaged with every eligible rich bachelor in New York City, and um, and it sort of assumed that that's what she does in order to get out of a situation. But also, then it's not serious, mm-hmm. and it's, she's just going to break the engagement not too long afterwards. Um, so yeah, it seems like. Totally, totally all in the vein of women will be hysterical and men will be aggressive to like t- try and squash the hysterics. <laughs> but, uh, it, that annoys
1: me so much. But there is, there is an element of that in a lot of the movies from this time. I mean, I think yeah. by the time you get into the 40s, you don't see that as much. Yeah. But in a lot of the 30s movies, this is in so many of the romances that it's just that basically that that's secretly what the women want is for the men to take charge and put them in their place.
0: <laughs> Isn't that what we all want? <laughs> yes. It's exactly what I
1: want. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about some of the comedy in this yeah. movie? Yeah. Cause I, I
0: loved Carlo. Carlo. <laughs> my father's prodigy?
1: I forgot about him. He was
0: hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> well, and that whole like monkey scene where he's like, I'm, I'm going to turn myself into a, um, a gorilla to make Irene feel better, even though he doesn't want to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that, I could not believe that. When that scene happened, I was like, is this
0: real? <laughs> what is this movie that we are watching?
1: And I loved how... He was constantly on the verge of creating some genius piece, but he needed inspiration, and you couldn't stress him out. So basically, he was just milking his role as As the engineer. yeah. Yeah, being supported by this family, which I thought was great. And then Irene was just imitating her mother, like, now I have a protege. Now was it implied that there was a sexual relationship between Carlo and the mother?
0: I don't think so I don't know. I was trying It seemed like she was looking for a son, and so then here was Carlo, but I don't know it it could have gone either way
1: because I felt like my reading of it was that there was a relationship, but it seemed odd that they would have that in a movie from that. I mean, maybe it was just subtext, yeah. With her husband right there, because I mean, he was like a tall, good-looking foreign man. I mean, and why would she choose him? Right, <laughs> and she was always with him.
0: Yeah, I also
1: thought the scene where Godfrey first takes breakfast up to the mother's room when she's hungover was be
0: hilarious. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> the fairies, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And he, it's interesting because he sort of got to play the straight man in this movie. Yeah, he wasn't
0: the wisecracking, um, you know, comedy guy that he usually is. He was, like, yeah, just taking all the the lunacy from.
1: (laughs) Um, This other scene I thought was hilarious but also kind of messed up was when, Irene pretends to faint, and then he carries her up to her room. (laughs) And and into the shower. He puts her in the cold shower, and then she starts hysterically, like, yelling about how now she knows he loves her,
0: because he did that. (laughs) Because he got angry. Oh my god. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, like, gender-wise. It's fine.
1: (laughs) When I was looking through images from this movie that... All, almost all of the posters are from that scene. It's a picture of him carrying her over his shoulders up the steps. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, can we talk about the sexual tension between him and the sister?
0: Yes. The unrequited sexual tension between him and the sister? Well, I honestly, this was my first
1: time seeing the movie, and I was honestly unsure if in the end he would get together with her or Irene. Oh. That you would end up with the sister. Yes, because they had more of a character. Like, there was more of a, an arc to their relationship. Right. And she seemed more intelligent and she actually kind of changed by the end of the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know, I just felt like the there was actually
0: a relationship. Yes.
1: There. Whereas with
0: Irene mean, she was just like <laughs> Yeah. So she didn't I did he, not believe that she was really in love with him. Yeah. Right. It's hard to see that why her or how her relationship with him would be any different from any other of the hysterical relationships she had with the eligible bachelors of New York City.
1: What a life they had. I mean, talk about a d- Depression-era movie and their their opulence that none of them ever seem to be doing anything but lounging around in fantastic
0: gowns. Yes. Right, like a, basically three adult children in, I mean, if you include Carla in that, do, yeah, you know, sitting around doing nothing. Yeah. I would be so bored. <laughs>
1: Well, it's even interesting compared to... I mean, I don't want to assume that everyone knows the Philadelphia story, but even in that movie where it's set on mainline Philadelphia, it doesn't... It's icky, but it almost feels more icky seeing it on, like, New York at this Fifth Avenue mansion kind of thing. Because at least there's, like trees and the I don't know something about nature makes it seem a little more equal there may be blondes and brunettes that are hard to resist you surpass them like a queen well what did you think of the
0: costumes um she ends up wearing pants at the end of the like towards the end of the movie she's wearing these like flowy pants with this like tight little top. I mean, not tight in a, like, provocative way, but just, like, it was close together and these, like, wide-leg pants. Right, in the scene where she learns that Godfrey's left and then she goes running out in these pants. They were amazing.
1: (laughs) I loved that, too, and I started yelling, she's wearing a jumpsuit! (laughs) Jumpsuit's very in right now. (laughs) (laughs) She's so hip. Um, I liked how a lot of the... uh, Dresses had more flowy sleeves, Uh like the wider sleeves and the batwing sleeves. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of that pink gown she wore when he threw her into the shower. Some of it was too frilly. Yeah. And I don't know if it counts as costumes or not, but her curly... Side bangs really bothered me for the whole
0: (laughs) movie. Like, I just wanted to hand her a hairbrush. Yeah, I mean,
1: either pit them aside or just
0: have bangs. Like, choose one. one. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do this like (laughs) mid-range thing. (laughs) It's not a good look. Um, Godfrey looked
1: really good in all the suits, though. I thought very polished. So
0: little tucks his monkey suit. Yeah. (laughs) We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich, and can provide for everyone. What about the social
1: justice message?
0: Um, well, we talked a little bit about, like, what, I guess, how he got there, what his motivation was. I think it's interesting, by by the end of the movie, when he's, like, he's built this, like, fancy nightclub. With some money that he's apparently, like, gotten in the same money, like the same scheme that he got the Bullock's money back. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume. I don't know, that's a question that is not resolved. Um, it's interesting that he then like employed like his his dump neighbors in that venture, which I think raises a question of like, well, were the people who were living in the dump choosing to be in the dump or were they like just like there on hard Hard luck, which like at the beginning of the movie, it seems like they were choosing to live there. Um. So I don't know, and I guess it's nice that by the end of the movie they like have jobs and are like. Yeah.
1: I don't. I I had mixed feelings about that resolution. I mean, I thought it was great that he wanted to employ the people, but it it still basically maintains the same social order, which yes. is like that the, that class of people is serving the wealthy, and yeah. there is a barrier mm-hmm. in between. I mean, Godfrey himself broke down the barrier by being friends with people from different classes, but within his club, I can't imagine that there would, would be anything beyond sort of a servile relationship. Yeah. And, I mean, it, I thought in the beginning of the movie it was just sort of like a Hooverville. Like, these are all out-of-work people in the yeah. Depression, and they have their kind of shanty existence. Yeah. So, but I was also confused about the money thing with him. Like, because I watched this with Mike, and Mike, Mike's understanding was that he borrowed money or got his friend, his rich oh, yeah. friend, to invest money
0: yeah.
1: in that club venture. And so I'm still not clear on whether or not he had money. <laughs> <laughs> and like, why would his friend do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. and what, what was the incentive for him to do that? And although the really sad thing is you could totally see those society people being like, oh, isn't this novel? We have bums serving us. Ha ha ha. Right.
0: <laughs> 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 We're going to the dump. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so... But I thought... I i don't know. I had mixed feelings about yeah. it. But for the time and for what it was doing, definitely had much more of a social justice message than most other movies. <laughs> exactly. And other screwball comedies. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just everyone's a social life <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, but then again, no one is allowed to really be a character in the movie who is not a rich person. Yeah. Like, it's not like... It if, if, it would have been interesting if he was an actual, like, just disenfranchised person. Not a wealthy person. It's just like, I'm going to live in the dump. And then he went into their family. Right. Like, that... That would me- be more interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because even, like, like the Molly, the maid, um, we see, like, in the first half of the movie, she doesn't have a big role, but she has, like, there is some development of her yeah. character. And the last time we see her, she's, like, sobbing because... She's in love with Godfrey and Godfrey's leaving. It's like, well, you know, because William or Powell's character is, is actually like a rich person, He he's never ever going to consider marrying Molly. When, like, I don't know, why wouldn't you consider Molly if you're a butler? Because she's hilarious. She was and, great. And, you know, beautiful and like good at her job. And like, if you weren't actually a butler, <laughs> you'd be perfectly, yeah. Excited by not excited, interested in her. Yeah,
1: she's one. That
0: actress is one of my favorite, um, like bit part players in well, the thirties.
1: One of us should have done her for our.
0: Well, I will watch another movie that she's in. Okay. okay. Yeah,
1: she was really funny in it. I liked how, as soon as he started, she just kept being like, "Well, you're gonna get fired, shortly so we'll keep your suitcase nearby." <laughs> <laughs> she was great. I don't think I'll do anything of importance that will displease you, but Mother, from now on, you must give me complete freedom,
0: including... What did you
1: think of this movie in terms of the back I am just going to ask you
0: that. Um, <laughs> I, I... I feel like it can pass, maybe, because of the, like... Because of the crazy mother... <laughs>
1: I think there's once or twice that the sisters talk, but it's about rivalry, right? Instead but, of
0: you said instead of Godfrey, yeah. But it's mostly they just talk about Godfrey. Everyone just talks about Godfrey. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think it passes?
1: I mean, if if what the Bechdel test is really looking for is do women talk about other things besides relationships and men with each other, I don't think it probably does.
0: Like, I mean, maybe it could on a technicality, but for the most part, I think. Most of the meaningful conversations, to the extent that there were meaningful conversations (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, we could say technically
1: maybe it passes, but... Practically. Practically, it does not.
0: (laughs) Um, What rating would you get in this movie?
1: I would give it a three out of five, which means I would I would watch it again, and I thought it was fun, but I don't think it's going to be one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. So I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the screwball comedies in general. Yeah. But sometimes I just get annoyed like this person's acting crazy like you should no longer deal with that I mean this is
0: not realistic
1: (laughs) if we ever watch bringing Up baby I will have (laughs) things
0: to say (laughs) what about you I would say yeah I would say three I mean I feel like it's like I'm glad to know that it's in the national film registry but like I only need to see it once every few years um Mostly because of the screwball comedy stuff. Like, there are so many scribble comedies, and Carol Lombard is in them. (laughs) So,
1: well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.